chapter seventeen of dr luttrell's first patient by rosa nuchette carey this librivox recording is in the public domain prodigal sons but by all thy nature's weakness hidden faults and follies known be thou in rebuking evil conscious of thy own whittier it was some few weeks before mr gaythorne was allowed to see any one and then olivia was his first visitor to her great surprise he had asked for her i think i can trust you marcus said to her but there was a trace of anxiety in his manner that did not escape her you must talk to him of course but you must be very careful not to agitate him he wants all his strength for to-morrow for on the following day father and son were to meet again olivia felt a little nervous marcus's professional gravity frightened her do you not think it would be better for me to wait a day or two she asked it is very nice of him to want to see me but it seems to me that mr alwyn ought to be his first visitor but although marcus agreed with her he said that mr gaythorne had expressed such a strong wish to see her first that he dared not refuse him he was never fond of contradiction he returned and we should only excite him if we opposed his wish although he is quite himself little things irritate him don't make yourself nervous beforehand you will say the right thing when the time comes for saying it and though olivia could not be sure of this she felt that it was sensible advice but when the moment came and she saw how shrunken and aged the invalid looked and heard the slight hesitation in his speech as he held out his hands to her with a pathetic smile olivia's warm womanly nature was not at fault for she bent over him and kissed his cheek as a daughter might have done dear mr gaythorne she said earnestly if you knew how thankful we all are that you are better thank you thank you he said with a faint flush of pleasure you speak kindly and as though you meant it sit down my dear we must have a little talk together you and i if i ever get my boy back if the breach between us is ever healed it will be owing to you and dr luttrell oh please do not say that we were only the means under providence yes yes with a touch of impatience i am not forgetting that in some ways i am a civilized heathen but i have never omitted my prayers thank god he loveth best who prayeth best who said that mrs luttrell perhaps i never prayed enough or my boy would not have wandered so far ah well do you remember how hard i was on you for sheltering tramps and now i can only say god bless you for your divine charity olivia's eyes glistened but she only pressed his hand in acknowledgment of this and to-morrow you are to see him she said softly yes to-morrow he repeated slowly that is why i must not talk much to-day but i wanted to thank you for bringing alwyn and to tell you how grateful i am to you both i am an old man he continued old in sorrows more than in years for with jacob i can truly say that few and evil have been my years oh mrs luttrell my dear take warning by me you have a little one of your own and perhaps in future years you may have sons growing up beside you never for one instant let anything come between you and them 
he paused for a moment and then went on when alwyn was a little child i simply worshipped him his own mother begged me with tears in her eyes not to set my heart so much on him he was delicate and i knew what she meant that she feared whether we should rear him and i remember as she said this that i struck my hand passionately against his little cot if that boy dies i shall never hold up my head again how well i remember that speech oh my dear the time came when i wished that i had no son when the sharpness of the serpent's tooth entered my very vitals god grant that you and dr luttrell may never have to blush for a son's misdoings dear friend remember you are not to agitate yourself no no i will take care but i think it does me good to talk a little the steam must have vent you know and i have kept silence for so many years all these weeks they have kept my boy from me but they were right his voice trembling with weakness i could not have borne it neither could alwyn ah how changed and ill he looked dear mr gaythorne returned olivia beseechingly indeed i must go away now unless you will consent to rest and let me read to you a little well well do as you like he replied closing his eyes you all tyrannize over the sick man but perhaps i am a bit tired and then olivia found a book and soon had the satisfaction of seeing him sink into a peaceful sleep what a grand face it looked with its fine chiselled features and grey peaked beard lying against the dark red cushions alwyn would never be such a handsome man as his father olivia thought there was power and intellect on the broad forehead the thin lips and obstinate chin were hidden under the drooping grey moustache olivia sat by him for some time and then softly left the room when marcus had paid his evening visit he was able to assure her that her little visit had done his patient no harm mr gaythorne had stipulated that he should see his son alone but dr luttrell who was keenly alive to the danger of any strong excitement had decided to remain in the house during the interview alwyn seemed so unnerved and miserable that it was impossible to do more than give him a word of warning say as little as possible gaythorne he had observed as they walked across together if you take my advice you will just let bygones be bygones don't be more emotional than you can help remember how ill he has been very little excites him and though alwyn only nodded in answer to this marcus was sure that he understood him but as he stood by the hall fire caressing eros he could not help feeling very anxious they are neither of them to be trusted he thought and he determined that if the talk were too prolonged he would make some excuse to go in and interrupt them then he raised his head uneasily and listened as the sound of a man's stifled sobs reached his ear it was what he had feared that alwyn weak and unstrung would break down utterly and the next moment dr luttrell had opened the door of the library neither of them perceived him as he stood for a moment watching them with keen professional eyes alwyn was kneeling with his face hidden on his father's knees and mr gaythorne's clasped hands were resting on his head my boy we must both say it he whispered forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them but marcus heard no more he closed the door again softly the scene was too sacred not even to his dearer self his wife did he ever speak of what he had seen the prodigal had eaten his fill of husks and had returned to his father's roof and his father's love but in this case the father had also sinned 
for surely undue severity and exacting hardness and failure of sympathy are sins to be bitterly repented no one can gather grapes of thorns or glean corn from a harvest of tares and no parent who has first unwisely indulged his son and then ruled him with a rod of iron can well claim the glad obedience of a free son if alwyn gaythorne trammelled and embittered by his father's tyranny had dashed recklessly down the path that leads to destruction his father had first driven him to the verge of frenzy young limbs will not always adjust themselves to the procrustean bed alwyn who had inherited his father's strong will refused to bear the yoke of his despotism i would rather starve and have room to breathe he had once said to greta there is no room here another half-hour passed before dr luttrell ventured into the room again he found mr gaythorne leaning back in his chair looking very white and exhausted but with a peaceful expression on his face alwyn had just left his side and was standing by the window with a miniature in his hand dr luttrell observed the old man feebly as he gave him some restorative my son will stay with me to-night and then alwyn flushed as he met the doctor's eyes he wishes it very much and perhaps it will be better he said in a low voice will you explain how it is to mrs luttrell i will see her to-morrow very well but there must be no more talking to-night if you will go into the next room i will see you presently and alwyn nodded it is all right happiness never kills observed mr gaythorne and for the matter of that grief either we must just bide our time then with a flash of strong feeling in the deeply set eyes he held out his hand to the young doctor god bless you luttrell he says you have been like a brother to him and as for your wife he has no words for her goodness may heaven repay you both for what you have done for me and my boy when marcus returned home he found greta sitting with his wife they both looked at him anxiously mr gaythorne will not part with his son he informed them mrs crampton is getting a room ready for him so your labours will be lightened livy she looks tired does she not miss williams though she will not confess it well it has all passed off well mr gaythorne is very much exhausted but nurse is getting him to bed and i have told alwyn to rest i left mrs crampton fussing round him so he will be all right and then olivia smiled as though she were satisfied but more than once that evening she observed to marcus how quiet the house seemed without their guest do you know i quite miss him she said i suppose one always gets attached to any one for whom one takes trouble he was the sort of person who was always wanting something you could never forgive him for a moment i wonder what martha will say when i tell her he has gone away for good he gave her plenty to do but i expect she will be sorry to lose him and olivia was right martha burst out crying in quite a lamentable manner oh ma'am she sobbed and he was such a kind young gentleman i am sorry that i am that he won't live with us no more and he painted miss baby and the kitten so beautiful too and he thought such a deal of you and master but though olivia smiled at martha's lugubrious speeches she could not help being rather sorry herself alwyn was not a perfect character by any means but somehow he had such nice ways with him 
little caressing ways that go to a woman's heart his nature was affectionate and emotional and all his troubles had not hardened him even marcus had observed more than once lately that he could not help liking the fellow he was not cut out for a black sheep he said once and the character does not suit him he has the makings of a good man only he has let himself drift so terribly well he has pulled himself up in time he could not have roughed it much longer when olivia returned from her next visit to galveston house she went straight to marcus i just felt i must come and tell you all about it she said in her enthusiastic manner i've had such a happy afternoon mr alwyn was reading to his father when i went in and they both looked so comfortable and contented they made me stay and pour out their coffee for them at first mr alwyn wanted to leave us he declared that two was company and three none and that he was only in the way but of course i would not hear of that and i was so glad to see him too he is his father's right hand already and does all sorts of things for him it is so lovely to see them together when he went out of the room for a moment mr gaythorne told me that he could scarcely realize sometimes that it was alwyn he has just olive's ways had been mr gaythorne's words i could almost fancy it was my little olive near me if he were only stronger i should not have a wish ungratified but i cannot help troubling about his cough dr luttrell thinks a sea voyage would do him good but i do not know how i am to ring myself to part with him oh by the by did alwyn tell you that greta williams is coming to see us she was my olive's friend so of course she will be welcome and then in rather a meaning voice i rather think she is alwyn's friend too olivia made no answer to this remark but more than once lately she had noticed that greta and alwyn seemed very much engrossed with each other and she was almost sure that marcus had noticed it too surely greta would never consent to marry him she thought with her sad experience she would never venture to link her life with a man whom she could not wholly respect greta's nature was a noble one she had lofty aims and a high sense of duty in spite of her gentleness she had plenty of firmness and backbone it was one thing to be sorry for her old friend and playmate and to show him a sister's tenderness but quite another to give herself to him and more than once olivia had felt uneasy but delicacy had led her to keep her thoughts to herself i do hope she would not carry self-sacrifice to such a length as that said the young wife to herself alwyn may be lovable but he would never satisfy a girl like greta a woman ought to be able to look up to her husband as i look up to my dear marcus and not be always trying to drag him up to her level i do want greta to be married when her father dies she will be so utterly alone but i cannot reconcile myself to her marrying alwyn gaythorne for one thing his health is so unsatisfactory that his wife would never be easy about him even marcus owned the other day that he feared he would never be fit for much but there is no use in trying to manage other people's lives as aunt madge says it takes all our strength and cleverness to manage our own a meddler is always a muddler how well i remember her saying that we did not make the world and we cannot rule the world when i see grown-up folk trying to arrange for other people i always think of children playing at snapdragon one gets one's fingers burnt so badly when we try to pull out our neighbour's plum no no bearing other people's burdens never meant that
End of chapter 17